the second strategy mob panel discussion featuring Tyler Champagne, Bill Harvey, Brandon Cott, Ralph Schurman, Neil Shaw, and moderated by Everold Reed. It's great to have you guys to get some perspective and uh, to set the pace for 2021. So how has the pandemic, and we'll start down with Mr. Cott. Okay. okay, sounds good. All right. Well, is that is that young from the young? Mr. Cott, you can roll. I can roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sounds cool. Anyways, um, so how has the pandemic affected the way management builds relationships with your with staff? Well, it's definitely uh, everything's changed, right? So it makes it tougher because you can't take team team building events. You can't take them out for for dinner or, um, and have those event and, and team building and team bonding type things that really allow you to grow as a team. Um, so it's changed in that aspect, but we're fortunate enough in our company. Um, I mean, I did the math here. I think four of our six dealerships, um, we've had the entire same sales team for the whole year. So in an industry where there's constantly an open door and you know revolving salespeople, we've been kind of fortunate to build a good culture. So we've had the same core guys and um, uh, at like I said, four of our six dealerships. So, but I think that and that happens because we're just able to we sp we spend time and sit down with them. I was mentioned earlier how um, when the pandemic hit, um, within uh, within two or three months, we rolled out a culture survey at all of our dealerships. Um, so we got all of our employees' feedback at every single dealership, every single employee um, on management and ownership. So we made sure we looked at ourselves as well. Um, but yeah, we just had to adjust some things because you, you couldn't take the team out for you know, team bonding and building events and you know, or go out for dinner or go bowling. Or you know, I think one year we even did, I think last year we did laser tag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with our sales group. But, so we had to change that aspect. So we did more one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, and then, you know, we do promote a good, healthy culture in the group. So that uh, that's kind of keeps everybody driving forward. Amazing. So Neil, with uh, with a guy that manages four dealerships, yeah, HR departments, um, stress levels and staff is at an all-time high. So how can dealerships manage this? How can management? Uh, you know, you get you probably get feel a lot of the complaints or a lot of the concerns. How do you handle it? You know, for me personally, I think it, it, it's important to have uh, the title of human resource as being the hearing resource department. You've got to take the uh, opportunity to listen, communicate, not meet expectation, but go above expectation. During this time of uncertainty, it's very difficult. You know, everybody will have their opinions, but it's trying to be what I call the equilibrium. You know, you'll have uh, employees going this way, you'll have management going this way. And then I'm in the middle. So in order to be effective, you have to have the mindset of understanding what is being asked. What is being, what is a real concern? Um, you know, everybody will say, well, we have to follow these set of rules. You know, I'll give you an example. I, I'm in a demographic right now where we are in the yellow like, you know, in the yellow stage, right? The yellow zone. So we are effective, but not as effective, but we are very proactive. You know, you talk about culture surveys. I think that's very, very important. Uh, taking the time to, you know, go one-on-one -on -one with the employees and with management and say, okay, exactly what are your expectation during this time? 
understanding, listening it, and then producing it. So for me, those are the three mindsets that you need in order to not just get through this time, but to understand it. Because you can put policies out. I mean, I've put out policies of thousands and thousands of pages and given it to the employees so they can fall asleep at night. <laughs> uh, because obviously you know that the stress levels are high. But if you have the communication and you can talk to them and have that one-on-one, -on -one, it makes it easier. But it changes every day. Everything is a revolving door, right? You can make a policy today, tomorrow is going to change. I'm at the yellow stage, tomorrow I'm going to be a lockdown. How do you cope with it? You, you listen, you hear, and you be proactive in your approach. Amazing. So we, you know, as dealerships transition and adapt rather to what has been thrusted upon, upon them for during 2020 and looking for, you know, as we go into 2021, should the sales process, Mr. Harvey, should the sales process become more streamlined where it's a, you know, it's a one-on-one -on -one, the interaction, uh, you know, a customer is not interacting with three, four, five, six people just to buy one car. Absolutely, 100%. We've heard that story now for, or that request by consumers for years. Um, we've, we, as, a, as an industry, as a group, as retailers I'm speaking of, we've fought that and bucked the system and attempted to maintain 40 years worth of sales training and sales style in the process. And uh, in fact, to, to the level of, uh, I'll cite J.D. Powers as the expert in this particular case, identifying that it just takes way too long to sell an automobile. We need to learn how to be, as sales consultants and managers for that matter, more efficient when the customer is coming in and get them out as quickly as possible. They know exactly what they want, unquestionably. It's when they get there and we try to put them into what we want them to do that the system breaks down and forces them to think about it. So what do you think about that, Tyler? Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, you know, with, with things moving to online sales um, and, you know, less showroom traffic at probably an all-time low, you know, when, when someone sends in a request online, you have to have someone contacting them who knows what they're talking about and isn't a bot as much as possible. You know, with I'm sure everyone who's in, in sales or is a manager or works in a dealership on a daily basis has seen this. People, if they have their phones, they can shop your number from your desk. Oh yeah, they do that all the time. While, which, you know, it, <laughs> Showrooming. Yeah. Exactly. So how much, how much more are they gonna do that if they're at home late at night, you know, maybe a couple glasses of red wine in them and they're just in, inquiring about cars. If you don't get back to them for 24 hours, they've already reached out to 10 or 12 other dealers and the ones who are getting back to people quickly with the right information they need are gonna be the ones who have a head start. So uh, I just want to go back to uh, Neil for a, a quick second to follow up on that, uh, the culture and uh, the HR issue. So is there more dealership management should be doing to prepare for 2021 after still as we continue through the pandemic? Um, I think I still reflect back to the fact that it has to be on a daily basis. It's the communication factor. I think actually the pandemic has been really, really good for dealerships. You know why? Because it allowed them to actually understand the situations that are happening in each department. You know, we boggle down on, this is what we need, this is our bottom end, we need to sell this much, this month. Now it's gonna be like, what can I do to help you, to help the customer, uh, to help our team? So it starts from the fact of, it's actually a benefit, because that communication factor is what's lacking, I find personally, um, in many dealerships, right? Because they're like, oh, I'll just leave it to uh, the parts department, for example, let them handle it. 
you know, let their team manage it. No, actually management needs to come in, take the time to, once again, I come back to the repetitive thing, it's, it's about hearing because I find that we always have a set of goals. These are the goals that we need to achieve, but there shouldn't be any goals during a time of uncertainty. There should be understanding and adapting every single day because you can, you can start from day one and say, I want to do A, B, and C, but you don't realize you're, you're already at uh, TQS and it's just over here. It's about balancing. It's about balancing what's important. And during times of uncertainty, you need strength, you need understanding, you need value, but most importantly that, you need empathy. You need to listen yeah. and have that, uh, have that right mindset in order to progress to that next day. Now, empathy, that, that's the big word today that you know, we hear pretty much in every important conversation. So, so Ralph, from your perspective, uh, you're managing, uh, is it two dealerships? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, how is your management team handling it and being, you know, getting prepared for 2021? It's been, uh, like everybody else and, and everybody in the room, it's been a constant change and it's a, it's a daily change. We're lucky enough that um, our head of HR is extremely involved. Um, she's usually ahead of every curve that's out there. So she arms the team with the things that they need, be it you know, to scan to do your daily test or, um, and, and, you know, to the point where they actually, and, and I know Jason was here, he could test to it, um, they installed a couch in her office. And it is, for lack of a better term, it, it's therapy session. Wow. Um, but because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to have those group meetings or the outings or the, the other things that, you know, we did when it was normal. Um, so we had noticed a lot more of having managers to be involved and sit in and and one-on-one -on -one with staff as they come through and it's uh it's actually opened my eyes a lot to the business and and people want to know that you care about them more than well than ever before yeah. absolutely so ha have you empowered or you know have you empowered your management team or or your sales team or your parts and service team to be able to you know to do more We've empowered them, like I said, with with these tools and, and more of, we've had, I have a lot of younger managers, um, so I've spent a lot more time with them to have them understand how to interact with people. I, I know that doesn't sound like that's a tough skill, um, but when somebody's upset or somebody has an issue, um, and I can attest to what John said earlier, I'm also from the older school of suck it up buttercup let's get moving but um, my hr manager has a lot more influence uh, on me than probably most hr managers do um but it sounds it's like there's something more there <laughs> 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 um but i'll tell you that story later it, it's uh it's just having the team listen and and it's me spending a lot more time with my staff and especially with my managers and spending time to you know understand what they're going through and understand they don't have a lot of life experiences and just having them sit and watch and listen means a lot to them I, I, as far as i can tell absolutely Everald, yes we touched on something just before you, you move on i don't want to derail no, the efforts absolutely. and it may be semantics in, in some cases but neil touched on a really dynamite topic that sometimes we glaze over far too quickly empathy as opposed to apathy 
And you touched on it wonderfully in seconds ago that we ha you have a bunch of newer managers, younger managers. And what we're finding that, that the pandemic has generated that two, three, four years ago, we were really caught in an apathetic state. It was like, suck it up, buttercup. It was like, hey, there's no change. This is the way it is. The parts department screwed up. The, the delivery department can't, can't deliver on what they promised because, well, you know what, that's just the way it is. And now with, with listening to people and being empathetic and recognizing we can't fix all the problems, but listening and, and maybe acknowledging that that is a little bit about how we work and that's how the industry is and we can't fix everything, but thank you for your input as opposed to, to just go back and, yeah, and work right. and do your thing. Uh, we've got to get away from that. We have to be empathetic and an excellent listener, but we can't fall into our old ways of apathy. And just to touch on that point, I think it's important because it, it creates stronger teamwork. Yes. Right? It creates a cohesiveness that allows everybody to work together. And I think this pandemic has allowed dealerships to flourish at a different level because it's like we're all on the same page. Moves towards collaboration. That's right. Because we're in cooperation. That's right. And the hearing couch that you're talking about, the, the, the healing couch is a hearing couch. We all need that. You know, it, 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 it's, it's draining to take an abundance of information on a daily basis and then try to project it out to every employee because you obviously are going to get the resistance, but if you keep handling every single day, you handle the employee like you handle the customer. You listen, you tackle, you address it, you motivate, you produce. So I think that's where we go with that. Yeah, I think that, that empathy is a big deal, um, and listening is always, to me, being one of the biggest, I mean, it, it's, it's always the, it's the clues to the sale, but it's also the clues to solving a lot of problems internally. Listen to comprehend. Is, is li yeah. We listen and hear, but we, d we don't And I think help. too often it's been a dismissive environment where your yes. concerns are dismissed before you, they're even heard. Yes. Right? And that's what leads to high turnover and, and lack of sales and lack of or little success. Uh, Brandon, how do you manage between departments now? And this is something that I'm, is always a bit pet peeve of mine at my dealership is the, the culture between departments. And have you noticed any difference between pre-COVID and during the pandemic, if there is more cohesiveness or not between departments? How do you handle that? Um, in, our in our company, I'd say it definitely got a lot better actually, because um, people kind of had to, when it first hit, um, obviously there was reduced staff, a lot of people, you know, took two weeks off, they didn't, you know, so we, were, we, were, we were using reduced staff, so pretty much everybody was pitching in and, and doing roles that were kind of outside of their normal um, daily routine. So, you know, when you have sales guys who are like, you know, cleaning the waiting area and helping wipe down the counters, and then you have advisors, um, you know, wiping down cars in the showroom and wiping down chairs to help everybody make sure everything's sanitized and clean, um, everybody kind of had to pitch in almost and go way outside of their normal duties. Um, because of we, we were we had to reduce staff and, they, and we, that's what we had to do to survive right so when everybody kind of went above and beyond a little bit it kind of opened up their eyes a little bit so I think that really helped out you know there's always uh, I shouldn't say there's always but in most cases there's typically a divide between sales and service sometimes right you sales is so focused on sales and then you know you if I was to ask some sales guys they probably you know 
before COVID happened, they wouldn't even know what an advisor does. Well, now, because they're helping them wipe down cars and pull vehicles up and helping them sanitize, help, the sales are helping the advisors sanitize vehicles, you know, they're kind of getting to walk a mile in their shoes almost for, you know, even if it's just for a little bit because the customers are there and they're watching too. So I think it actually helped them uh, all move together in a, you know. So we're working on culture and empathy. So how about goals, uh, Ralph? How, how have, you know, how has this pandemic altered or, you know, changed any of the way, ways you, your management team handles goal setting and what will that look like going forward in 2021 uh, goal setting um as far as moving forward what we've done is we've actually for all our managers have um revised their their plans so that everybody's on the same page um as far as getting paid on net so it's brought everybody into asking questions and actually working together more to help each other out you know do a used car safety and it's just not a carte blanche can you help me out here? Can you help me out there? Knowing that everybody is, again, on that same page and, and invested in the same thing, lets everybody kind of move in the same direction when we're setting goals. And for our managers' meetings, we have changed them to, um, now everybody takes a turn at chairing the meeting. Mm -hmm. So everybody is more involved as far as um, knowing what that person's department goes through because they have to look at their numbers and break it down during that agenda. Yeah, that's, that's pretty important. So. Um, so to follow up on that, I'll go to Neil first and then to, uh, then down the line here. Um, so the question is, in your opinion, has the pandemic af affected staff's mental health in your dealership? And we, we talked about it in the previous segment. We know that it's been more prominent and being more, uh, talked about today than ever before. Um, how do you handle this in your, I mean, you've got four dealerships to oversee. What does that look like in, you know, dealing with hundreds of people right now? It's a, it's a different every day. Uh, anxiety levels are extremely high. Uh, the perpetual changes of legislation is, is on a hour to hour basis. You manage it by what you talked about, survival. And I think that's a very important thing that you talked about is the fact that if you can survive on a daily basis and survive in the sense of, you know, you, you bring the employee in. So, for example, I'll give you an uh, So if I'm dealing with the Kia dealership, I will meet with each employee every single day, have a good 15 minute conversation. Um, and I talk to them, how are you going to survive today? What do I need to do to help bring your anxiety level down to a level where it is manageable, not perfect? but manageable uh, exactly right and and you want to try to succumb to the idea of being there for them if somebody knows and you know you, you touched upon it right you know you're, you're spending time with managers right and, and, and you're understanding what they're saying and and just for the fact that they're listening and and you're getting through through them that's how I, I i like to try to deal with it is try not to talk about it address it but refocus the mindset of exactly what you need to achieve today. And that's how you reduce the level of anxiety. If we go in and say, well, oh my God, today we're on lockdown. Okay, I need you to sanitize this. I need you to do this. We're, we're removing from the way from what we're trying to achieve, which is how can I help you? This is what we have. Don't worry about this. We will address it when the time comes. Let's focus on this. So it's a refocus of the mindset. Absolutely. So, um, so Tyler, do the customers, in your opinion, have the same brand loyalty 
pre-COVID uh, as they do now? Or has that shifted? Is that getting worse or better for dealerships? I think brand loyalty has faded a little bit over the past few years. And I don't, I think it started before COVID. Um, you know, people now, you're seeing probably an all-time high of short-term leases in, in, you know, our dealership's a high lease pen dealership. We do about, four, we're almost 45%. Um, in a single month doing leases. So uh, I'm sure there's other dealers who are higher and some that are lower, but you know, those short-term leases, people are going, you know, maybe I'll try something else. You know, and that, that's, it's almost the mindset of the world with this attention span thing. And you know, uh, when was the last, I, I can't even go through a paragraph in a magazine without getting distracted of something. And that, you know, I know that that's not just young people who are, who are dealing with that. So it's, it's, you know, it's getting bored quickly and that type of thing that I think is definitely affecting brand loyalty because people are going, yeah, I know I've been in this car for three years. Let me try something out. Let me try something else out. You know, if I can get a decent payment or a similar payment at another brand, why not try that out? Especially with younger people, you know, our older clientele are, are pretty loyal. We have people who won't buy a car that was assembled outside of Canada. Right, they're so loyal to that end of it. So it's, oh, there's almost two ends of the spectrum that you see on a daily basis. The, the ones who are, yeah, you know, this, I'm coming out of a, a Dodge going into a GM and my next one's probably gonna be a Kia. And then you have the you know, Chevy Impala folks who've had seven in their lifetime and their parents had them and, and this is their you know, last beige one or whatever. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I, I want to add to that, Errol. Yeah. I, I, I was actually going to ask you, do you see, <clears throat> if you see brand loyalty returning or I, I don't think brand loyalty has gone anywhere. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. I, I think brand loyalty is as strong as it always has been. It's just if you are a General Motors Ford or Chrysler car driver and you love cars and that's what you want to drive as an automobile, a sedan or a coupe, you have almost zero choice. You've got a Mustang, a Camaro, and a Challenger to choose from. One, one car in each one of those lines. And so as a sales manager, I mean, Tyler, you know it better than anybody, and Ralph, you would, you would see it more frequently than I would. It's, what do we turn to? And, and I, I've joked and fooled around with my Japanese and Korean dealers, did the domestic dealer come over to you with a silver platter and say, here's my database of my car, car buyers? And I, I believe it's, it's really a mistake of the OEs deciding that, okay, well, nobody wants to buy our cars, so we won't, we won't buy cars. I, I cringe at the idea of uh, either Dodge, General Motors, or Ford having a recall on their pickup truck. Holy smokes, what would happen? To move from brand loyalty now over to Brandon itself. Um, as a dealer, Brandon, how much latitude do you allow your sales team to develop their own personal brand? And is that, how important is that, you think? I think it's super important. I mean, we give them a lot of rope because <clears throat> within reason because we they still we still want them to follow our guidelines and the culture that we've created for our auto group so I can't have them going against our going against our culture in any way um, but the end goal is that you want each salesperson to be their own ambassador of their of their product and you know that's almost you know that's their own business as you know they're that's their clientele and you want them to treat it like it's their own business it's their own baby um, yeah we give them a lot of rope but like I said I mean Obviously, we want them to follow the, the culture that we created in our cot group. Um, but yeah, just to kind of repeat, they, I, want, they want, I want them to be their own ambassador of the brand. 
Absolutely. And what, what do you think, uh, Ralph? Um, I think we're going to spend a lot more time on it, and that's part of um, coming here and getting some visions and ideas from some other guys. Um, I, I mean, I, I know Jeff over there because I, I don't know him, but I feel like I know him. And I want more of that in the dealership. I think that's super important um, to get them to the point, and maybe they don't get to where Jeff got to, but if I pulled into Sault Ste. Marie, and, and, and Jeff knows I had a friend that worked there, I would probably buy the car from Jeff because I've interacted more with Jeff watching his videos. It, it's super important. How important do you think that is, Tyler? Personal branding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Again, to use Jeff as an example, he's a General Motors guy and I, I'm a General Motors guy as well. I learn stuff from watching his videos that I didn't know about the vehicles that I order for my own dealership. You know, nice. wow. the differences yeah. between, you know, certain trim levels or a certain package, how, how a Chev has a different package versus a GM. I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm the inventory manager for our store as well as the sales manager, meaning I order all of our new car inventory and I learn stuff from watching his videos and I think there's like you said Ralph there needs to be more people doing that you know they might not get to the level um, that Jeff I mean if you have ever been on LinkedIn then you know who Jeff is I think I don't know anyone who has more connections than him I don't even understand it really um, <laughs> but yeah it's you know there definitely needs to be to be more of that and and you know he has some great tips as well about you know how to manage a social media profile it's not just you know every picture you post is is of the delivery car you know, people are going to, that's not an interesting profile to, to look at. It's, it's, that's going to look like a yearbook photo of a bunch of different vehicles, right? It's got to be, you know, product reviews or maybe here's a new tip or here, check out this new trade we got. That's, that's very interesting as well. So, you know, even if it's not specifically to the brand you're working for, as long as it's, um, you know, interesting and, and maybe even, um, you know, outside the box thinking a little bit, that's, that's super important to, again, with an online world where showroom traffic's at an all-time low. Can I just add to that? I think that's very important what you talked about is, um, you know, you talk about Jeff, um, you know, uh, being what he does. I mean, obviously there's Roger does what he does. I think it's important because it helps dealerships, you know, rather than just talk about brand loyalty, it's auto loyalty, right? I've learned stuff from, uh, you know, looking at a, like a Hyundai or if I'm looking at Honda or if I'm looking at Toyota, whatever, I learned and that's what's the most important thing. You know, we talk about brand loyalty from a customer standpoint, but if you talk about brand loyalty from a dealer standpoint, I expect you talk about LinkedIn. I think it's phenomenal. I think the tool is phenomenal because you learn, like if I look at, at, at Jeff's videos, I'll be like, wow, I mean, I'm not a truck guy, but now I am, right? You know, if I look at the luxury aspect and I look at what Raj Day does, I look, I go, oh wow, I never knew that that was happening. You know, it's all about the learning, and I, I think Ted Lancaster would agree with me because Ted was my first connection on LinkedIn. And he always told me, his first thing that he told me when I, and I was like, wow, the key, at that time he was the Kia Canada CEO. He just wrote, he's like, just keep going with it, keep learning. And that's what the thing that has always resonated with me is the fact that loyalty stands not just with the brand, but with the professionals within the industry. And I think that's important. Absolutely. It's the awareness, right? Yeah, and being right. top of mind. Like if you, if you were in the north and you were talking about trucks and, and you have seen any of Jeff's, Jeff Hunter's videos, or better yet, asked a friend. That's right. Hey, yeah. you know, where do I go to buy a truck? Get, uh, so every salesperson should be on LinkedIn. -y. 
Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Right. 100%. And and do you recommend Facebook as well? Do you re recommend two or three platforms? Uh, is it LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram? The more social media, the better. Yeah. Even TikTok. TikTok. Even TikTok. They're starting to post GM ads on there. Yeah, there's you know it's advertising space that now I mean you look at you know you anyone with with a TikTok account can have a video go viral and start getting a following. It's not easy, but it's definitely probably the way the algorithm works. It's probably the easiest way to go viral without any other influences. You know, it's, it's probably less expensive now before before they start charging yeah. a file for it. Yeah, like and Facebook. also you know and to go back to my earlier point about how you know the attention spans, you could doing an entire car video. Uh, or review on a vehicle in 30 or 60 seconds is super valuable. That's something that you know someone can can swipe through and go, oh, I, did, I didn't know that, or that's cool, or hey, I think that I think that's my local that's my local dealer. I'm I'm in the market for a, for a new vehicle. You know, like you said, I mean, TikTok and Instagram and that type. Well, of they stuff. share with their parents, or they bring that knowledge even to their parents who are the car buyers at that time, right? So, with all these marketing strategies that we're sharing here right now, how do you think um, management strategies should uh, look, you know, what's what sort of um, angle should we be looking at for 2021 to say, let's take what we've learned in 2020. We've dealt with a lot. We've had a lot thrown at us. We've learned, you know, I guess all the new laws and everything about pandemics and vaccines and politics. How about we just focus on the car business for 2021? You know, and what would that look like ideally for you guys? Guidelines. Yeah. have to be some guidelines right. yeah, for the use of social media. Uh, the most outstanding one in the entire bunch is you cannot speak negatively of the brand, you cannot speak negatively of the dealership, you cannot speak negatively of any personnel within the dealership. It, it's ridiculous, it's obvious, it's hard to believe that we have to put that into a policy and, and broadcast it throughout these organizations, but it can't be stressed enough. So. So that's for, for branding and, and, and marketing and so on. But what about management? Um, is there anything else that management should be doing uh, and implement as guidelines going forward for, for 2021 outside of marketing? I think it just comes back to training, more training. Um, you know, I've, I've, since we can't get them to, out to training, um, we spent more money on having people come in. Um, I've had Jason come in and work with them um, just to, to get them to understand, and, and again, I don't understand all the data and all the clicks and all the, how, how it works, but I rely more on the people that I bring in now um, to analyze, are you doing it right? Are you, you know, can, are you going in the right direction? So training has been how to get more training for 21, because I don't think we're going to still go to the manufacturer. We're still going to go off-site. We're going to have to figure out how to get training to come to us. And I think it's a lot more valuable happening in our dealerships yeah. where they work every day, then go to offsite and then they come back and they forgot five of the 10 things that they were taught that day. Yeah. And, yeah. and on-demand stuff. Yeah. Ralph, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, Tyler. Like that, like make sure that it, it's like a book, but it's a living book, yeah. right? So they it can go through good. it once, yeah. learn it, then mm -hmm. training is practicing it. And from, for, to your question, uh, Avril, how does management support it, that management is, a, is fully aware of it and ensures that, that everyone is 
becoming more familiar with it and then trying to do it. But stay with the process, right? Stay with the process and train it and have it always available at their fingertips on demand. And we spend an enormous amount of time and effort on it this year. Sorry, to add on to, add on, um, to that about training. You know, I'm a big believer that, that any type of training you can do or any tool you can add to your belt is, is, is valuable. You know, like we've, we've all talked about this during the pandemic that things are almost changing on an hourly basis. So why aren't you training your people on a weekly or monthly basis. The last you know, training session was three, four months ago, but things are changing on an hourly basis of, of, you know, in the world and that type of thing. I heard, I heard a story uh, a few years back about how Denzel Washington takes acting classes. I was like, who? Amazing. One, wow. Easily one of the best of all time. Wow. What, and he's taking acting classes from someone, but it's because he's trying to perfect his craft well, and things Tom are changing. Brady's practicing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The most winning Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So even if even if you're the best or you think you're the best or you're widely regarded as the best, those people are the best because they've continued training and developing their skills and adding tools to their belt. Absolutely. So when it comes to management now going forward, uh, what sort of technology and can management use to enhance um, their skills and to enhance their jobs and to help them manage and navigate through all the additional things that they're having to manage? What do you think, Rob? I think we just have to, we have to spend more time as managers understanding the things that, and, and you know, maybe some of the younger guys do, um, but me being around for a long time now, understanding what those enhancements are and what a video click does so that I can help my managers understand and they can help their staff understand how to make a better video, how to get better engagement, how to get, um, we said it earlier, to book the appointment. Right? Not sell the car, get the appointment, understand what the customers are looking for now. 40, I, Hyundai put up a stat the other day, 43% of customers are now willing to completely buy online. That's not going to change over the next year or so, maybe ever. It's going to just continue to grow. So the more we can understand what's changing in the business, we don't want to become Sears, for lack of a better term. Um, our model isn't always the best model. And learning from these seminars and going out and trying to understand and have more training, back to training, everything comes back, right? <laughs> but that, that's what it comes down to is how can we learn more so that we can help our staff become better? And the better they become, the better we become, right? Yeah, yes, Tom. Yeah, I think, just to add, again, add on to that. I think a lot of people's hesitation with, um, you know, especially with the, with the older crowd, you know, I have, I have a sales rep on my team who's 82. I have another one in, in his 70s. You know, probably a lot of their hesitation about this online stuff or taking videos is that they don't know how to do it and they might be too embarrassed to ask. You know, it's, so it's, it's making sure that the, as, as basic as it may seem, again, the training thing, as basic as it may seem of, you know, here's how to take a, a selfie video on your phone with good audio to show off this car. You know, I, I, like I said, I just I recently started a, a podcast and I had some great training and expertise on how to do it. I never would have been able to do it by myself without someone going, here's the absolute basics of it and here's how to do it. Because I think that's where a lot of the hesitation comes from um, with, with anyone in a dealership. So, Brandon, uh, what Sorry, are you... I could add one more thing. Yeah. And, and it, you make a valid point. Yes, you have older guys. And I know a lot of the GM stores do. I think we also take for granted that some of our 20-something salespeople just automatically know. They know how to take a video. They know how to take a picture of their sports car and put it on Instagram and share it and hashtag it 50 different ways. But we just assume because they're younger and they're of 
they were born with a cell phone, they know exactly what to do and how to market themselves. And we're not, we're not helping them with that. I think it has to start at the top, like regardless of your salesperson or manager, we can't expect the salespeople to be sending thank you videos to the customers and, or, or sending follow-up videos if the managers aren't doing it themselves. Like they have to be doing it themselves to, to lead by example as well. Agree. So. so how can managers, with that said, Brandon, how can managers get the support they need from ownership to also support their sales well, I think it's just like I just said, I, I can't expect a salesperson to send a thank you video to a customer if the, uh, the manager is not going to as well. And the manager, I can't expect the manager to send a thank you video if I'm not willing to do it myself either. So um, I love to get involved and when I get on the floor, all sales guys will we'll do a thank you video together, um, right? They're walking by, they'll grab me, they'll be like, hey, this guy was in yesterday, can we send him a thank you video together? So I'll jump in, we'll send him from my phone. Um, but you have to be a, you know, Managers are leaders, so they have to lead by example. And, and you, you, I was said earlier today that you know I would never do something, I would never ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Um, so, so from a leadership perspective, that's obviously a very good, um, you know, philosophy. If I, so, if I were to go across now and get five of those, I mean, yours is first. Obviously, uh, you won't ask someone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, so how about we will end this section or we'll start to wrap up this section with give us one philosophy, one st strategy that you will, as management managers and, and owners, implement in 2021 that you would never have done before, but know that it's of vital importance going forward. Start, we'll start in the middle. <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, it, it comes down to learning, training, coaching. Take any skill at all. Make sure it is taught properly because nine times out of 10, we jump in with both feet and, and arrive at training. And so the skill has never really been taught. And the individual gets the bits and pieces cobbled together and, and expected to go out and perform. And then some half-act coaching comes along and says, don't do it that way, do it this way. And worse, if there's two or three people involved as coach or as manager for those individuals. So teach the skill, train it, that's the practice, that's the on the job, and then continually follow up coach afterwards. What do you uh, think? I, uh, for me personally, I mean, if we're taking a, a three word, uh, you know, start off like you said, uh, for me it would be um, value, uh, value in your training, uh, value in understanding what's happening. Um, and uh, value in adapting. I think that's what's going to be in 2021 is going to be the adaptation to the new, not the new norm, but just the new, because we're all learning and there's always uh, adaptation to it. So for me, it's understanding, having the value, but most importantly than all of that is, is to really be, and I'm coming back to the original topic that we talked about it, and that's showing empathy. You know, we spent too much time on this is our target, this is our sales, but we don't realize that people also have to deal with so many things. So coming back from a management standpoint, the best thing to do is to have it, have, have obviously, I call it the hearing resource. That's, it's not the human resource, it's the hearing resource, um, but having that communication. That has to continue to develop. And once you have that adaptation, everything will flourish perfectly. All right, uh, we'll let you wrap it up there. Yeah, I would say, you know, add any tool to your belt because you, you never know when you might need it, you know, and that's kind of simple. But like I've said before, it's, you know, any any skill you can add or any training or, you know, I have a background in, in stand up comedy, improv and comedy writing. It, 
no one would probably would think on the surface that that would have anything to do with with car sales or business or dealing with people. But you know, being able to read people um, as a manager is super important. You know, knowing body language. That's something that I, I learned from from doing stand up and noticing people in the crowd. You know, how people are sitting or how their faces look and that type of thing. So no matter how relevant a skill or or, or thing might seem, it can always help you uh, with moving forward. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Another interesting session. Um, I mean, I'm very, I'm very happy, to, and I'm learning a lot from you guys too. I mean, from, you know, uh, Brandon, uh, Mr. Harvey, pleasure to meet you. Mr. Heated Seats. <laughs> I started off as Mr. Cobb, but I ended as Brandon. <laughs> well, <laughs> we got to know each other a little bit. And you as well, sir. Um, I think this is just a vital subject going forward where we have an understanding and we come up with all these great ideas, but action, I think, is going to be what changes us in 2021. We, we can leave here with all the best ideas in the world and all the best plans, but uh, if it's not put into action, I think you know, we'll never truly realize our, our capabilities. So thanks again, gentlemen. I think Ralph called it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yes. Um, okay, so I guess for this coming year, um, I think the biggest challenge will continue to be communication. Um, and I know that it starts with me because um, we don't have, uh, unlike some dealerships, we don't have a present owner. Um, so the buck stops with me essentially. Uh, I know that there are things that I can still work on. Uh, as far as communication, I've talked to my managers that over communication is better than no communication. Um, but I catch myself doing it sometimes. And uh, I think the biggest challenge with this disengagement, because prior to this we could go for an event, we could go for a dinner for 10 or 12 of us, and I find it much easier to communicate in a setting with a more casual setting um, than a work setting, because that work brain comes in. Uh, but moving forward, I definitely, for the 21, it's gonna be all about communication. Yes, sir. I'm going to go a little off the beaten path here and say biggest challenge is going to be inventory management. Um, you know, as someone who orders all the inventory for my dealership, I see the challenges with, um, you know, constraints and, and you know, pr um, product lines and, and things that aren't available uh, that normally would be. So, you know, managing the inventory that you do have and the stuff coming in because, it, you know, it might be few and far between. You know, in 2020, my dealership ran out of trucks twice in, during the year which is something that's never happened before and no one has ever seen. So like I said, uh, inventory management, I think is gonna be the biggest challenge. Having, having on your lot what sells and being able to sell from it because you know, uh, dealer trading and that type of stuff is, is becoming a lot more difficult because the supply chains are so stressed um, moving forward. And you, Bill, what do you think the biggest challenge will be in 2021? TikTok. I have no idea how to leverage it for my benefit. I have no idea how to make it work, but I am going to figure that out. And uh, maintaining, uh, some of you have made, may have noticed this year, I put a, a very dedicated, concerted effort into overcoming obscurity and attempting to be that, that name when someone says, hey, who do you know that I can get in for training? 
we have all of our material digitized and on demand now, which is absolutely wonderful. I keep saying it's pandemic safe, COVID compliant, available on any desktop, laptop, smart, smartphone or tablet, and yet it's not selling off the shelf like I expect. And I think that's because of TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> I am certain it's because of TikTok. I gotta get that TikTok nailed. Uh, Neil? So what do you think, Neil? Uh, Biggest challenge for 2021? Keeping up uh, the morale um, on all aspects. Uh, I think that's gonna be a challenge, uh, not just on a customer basis, but internal basis. Um, the plan of action for it is very, very simple. Communication, we've talked about it. Um, you know, uh, humor which you bring, uh, education. Oh, right. Bo both of these guys you are know, like <laughs> education, competing on uh, the stage. Uh, you, know, from a, um, you know, from a thespian standpoint, um, it's very important. And um, obviously from a management and ownership standpoint, it's a, co it's a collaborative effort. And I think that is what is the biggest challenge is going to be, is to try to make sure that people's mindsets, their value and their understanding is at a level of comfort. Um, and if we can keep pushing the morality rather than the negativity, um, the auto industry will still continue to strive for uh, bigger and better days. I'll, uh, I'll take on to that. Yes, uh, Mr. Cott, my, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think my biggest personal challenge for uh, 2021 is going to be managing my ownership, the ownership expectations. Is <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> that a shot across the bow? <laughs> <laughs> the high expectations, I should add. Best um, for last. <laughs> no, but, but in, in all honesty, um, it's it's really going to be managing um, the customer expectations with the pandemic because you have some customers who even now in BC they walk in and they want they just they want to walk in without a mask, they want to buy a car, and then you have other customers who they want to completely um, have the vehicle delivered to them and they don't even want to touch or talk to a salesperson. <laughs> they just want to like have a vehicle for an hour, test drive, and bring it back, and then managing the. You know, and so the customer, the customers' expectations and the employees' expectations right now, because the same goes for the employees. We have some employees who um, they will want to come to work, they want to make money, and then I have other employees who, like, if, you know, right now, if if, uh, if somebody walks by and has a runny nose because they're cold outside, they want to go home for two weeks. So that's probably the biggest challenge for us. Good question. <laughs> um, I know that we've changed our focus as far as looking at different measurements. Um, you know, changing focus from where we didn't care about it a year and a half ago on closing ratios or appointment ratios for e-leads and digital leads because um, we focused so heavily on what we happened when they walked in and now it's what are we missing because I, I know at our dealerships, I don't know if everybody else, but we're almost three times to four times the digital leads coming in now than walk-in traffic. So that's, that's, that's going to be a real focus of 21 is how do we convert that and how do we become better? Because if not, somebody's going to get it, right? Yeah, the new, the new walk-in is the internet lead and you can't let yeah. any of those slip through the cracks. Whereas so let me ask you, you could. Tyler, yeah, um, on, on that note, if you have a couple of e-leads or a sales rep is dealing with an e-lead at their desk, active in conversation, and there's a, a customer that walks through the door and everybody else is busy and your receptionist or concierge is saying, okay, we need to wait a few minutes. Um, is your manager still getting up to say, okay, there's a customer in the showroom and the pressure is on to drop what you're doing with the e-lead to take the, cust the live customer on the floor? How do you handle that circumstance? 
That's a tough balance because you don't want to keep the people uh, waiting in the showroom. You want to streamline that process, but you don't want to take someone away from if they're actively engaged with uh, an online customer or an e-lead, right? So if, if someone's, you know, texting back and forth or doing a walk around video or something, that's obviously not the person. If you have someone who maybe just sent a reply email, that's probably the person you're going to want to have greet that customer in the showroom because, again, it's a tough balance between um, not wanting to, you know, go, go dark with the person that you may have been texting with and also not leave that person in the showroom uh, because they, might, they also might not understand that everyone is, is actively working. They might think they're being ignored which is the other thing you don't want in this age of Google reviews. The last thing you want is someone walking around for five minutes and leaving. Yeah, and say nobody looked after me and nobody exactly. said hello. So, and, it, and I find that this happens at, at the Lexus store that I'm at quite often because we all know the amount of e-leads we're getting, as you alluded to, and fewer walk-ins. And we also have to manage the appointments and manage the customer flow. And if, if everyone is sitting with a client and two or three people are, you know, responding to e-leads and sending out proposals, which are, on the other hand, they're expecting to arrive within that hour or within a few minutes. And there's a customer standing there. Like, you know, th there's got to be a process. And I think this is one of the... I mean, the manager has to go grab the customer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, so, you know, it, it can't be the age of, okay, well... I'm still a manager, I'm just going to sit behind my desk, or, you know, there has to be communication, and maybe if you explain to the client, the, the one that's, that walked in, what's going on, you know, I'm sure they'll understand, because they shop online too, <laughs> right? So it's just a matter of communication, I think, and is, is where sometimes the breakdown is. And making sure you're managing their expectations, like nothing bothers me more when, if, if the customer does have to wait, yeah. and your receptionist tells them, okay, somebody's going to be with you in two minutes, when it's actually going to be 15, well, now you're giving us a customer because you didn't manage their expectations properly because they're expecting somebody to be there in two minutes, yeah. right? So if it's going to be 10 minutes, tell them, hey, actually, with COVID, we're short-staffed right now. We've reduced staff or reduced hours, whatever it is. It's actually going to be 10 minutes until somebody's available for you. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I think it's yeah. fair to say they're just responding to some current client inquiries. and uh, Those are customers too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's valuable customers too. Yeah, I would say, you know, for myself, one thing that I found has made me successful in sales was being able to adapt to different situations. You know, speaking one way to a client is not going to work with everybody. You know, if you're dealing with an older couple who's buying their last car, you can't really t talk in the same voice as, as someone who's maybe um, an alpha executive type of thing. So being able to adapt to those um, different types of, of customers was something that I found was, was super important. You know, finding out, oh, this person likes, likes basketball. Well, I know a little bit about basketball, so I'm going to use my knowledge on that. Or, you know, this, these people, oh, they go to um, Florida and they have grandkids who live here. Oh, my, I have family who, who lives there too. So th that's what I found was being able to adapt almost like a chameleon to the, to the client you're with. Because I've seen, I've seen sales reps who are, um, who are great at what they do, but do horrible with certain types of clients. You know, they might be incredible with, you know, um, older, softer spoken people, but, but someone who's, um, you know, young and brash, uh, they might not do well with because they might be too laid back. Some we've been working on even in our videos at the end where it's just like, oh, let me know or call me. Or me. Why don't we bring the car to you? If that's easier, I'm going to present that option. And it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or because if you're going to all that point that you're going to let me bring the car to you, probably pretty interested in that car. 
It's sitting in their driveway yeah, too, the right? Neighbors it's, see it's it. It's the puppy dog clothes. The neighbors see it. Yeah. They go, Ooh, what's, the, what's that in your driveway? Well, you're going to not buy the Cadillac yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> you look know, like, like an idiot. Yeah. yeah.